Hello again, everybody. Welcome into localjobnetwork.com radio, and you are listening to the LJN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather together to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment-related. I'm Tim Muma, and joining me in the quad today is Lynn Molitor. Hello. Jacqueline Peterson. Hi. And Jamie Goble. Hi. Now, as we record this, we are getting down to the end of the year, so I want to touch on a couple topics that do fit nicely into the calendar. But first, Jamie, you actually wanted to talk a little bit about managers. Yes. I, You know, being somebody that is a manager, I'm always looking for ways to improve to have my team members really um, follow suit with what I want them to be working on. And obviously, being somebody that's been a part of many organizations, I've had lots of managers. So, Uh, I really wanted to take a look at what is an effective manager? How do you become one? How are those best managers out there becoming effective leaders? So I recently read an article uh, that Forbes put out on the top five things that managers should do that um, I just wanted to get a little bit more insight from you in terms of what you took away from that, whether you are a manager or you're on the other spectrum, what you prefer managers to do. I I can start off because I really liked uh, Build Rapport in the article that you had shared with us, Jamie. And one of the things um, I like to do as a manager is to um, be empathetic to my team members, be it uh, if it's personal or professionally. I like to be engaged in what they're doing, um, uh, celebrate their wins with them, um, help them through challenges that they may have. But I also appreciate that all of us have a home life as well. And so, um, depending on the person, I like to engage with them and and find out about their family and uh, what's going on there. So, I think that has proven successful for me, hopefully. I think Hopefully, I don't bug Tim when I'm asking. (laughs) Not that I manage Tim, but... You know, he lets us in a little. I think that's really important. I know that's one of the things that my manager encourages me to do is to walk around the floor. You know, I mean, ideally it would be once a day at least just to kind of check in and see how everyone's day is going. And not just in your departments. Like, go talk to the other departments and see how they're doing or congratulate (laughs) them because it means something to them, especially as a manager. Um, So that's something that I definitely would agree with you on, Lynn. One of the other ones that I actually liked was establishing credibility. And I think that that's really important, too, because a lot of times your direct reports just want to be kept in the loop. They just Mm -hmm. want to know what's going on. So one of the things that I do, and I've actually done pretty regularly, is I'm, I'm really candid with them. I was just in a meeting moments ago, and someone had asked me, did you ever get an answer about this thing that I had sent you? And I was completely honest and said, to be honest, no, because I haven't followed up on it yet. But I will in my next status. I have it on my list. And I think that that's important because you need to let them know where things are on the list of priorities. Is yeah. this urgent? Is this not urgent? Sure. And But you also need to let them know, no, I haven't done that, but here's why. So that they understand and that they can get in the habit of thinking, okay, not a priority. Yes, that's a priority. Um, Urgent, not urgent, you know, things like that. But I think being honest with them and keeping them in the loop is something that they just appreciate. I know in our managers meetings that we have biweekly, after the meeting, I send them an email. And then in the next stand-up meeting, the next day, we talk about what was shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, communication. Yeah. People like communication. Right. I like it too. <laughs> I think everyone does. I think that's really helpful too because a lot of times as managers, we're really busy. We sometimes don't follow back up with them because we don't have an answer yet and we think they want that. But that's really 
good to consider that we just need to let them know where we're at in the process. And for me, I mean, I'm not a manager here. I've I've had the pleasure of coaching and teaching, and obviously those are with kids, but I, I think it relates. And we've talked about this with, in here and different experts, and it's a little bit to Lynn's point as well, is just not treating each employee, each direct report as one size fits all because they have different personalities, different things drive them. And we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But, um, you know, just drawing off of experience from teaching or coaching, you know, one person might like to be written a little harder and, and like to like that sort of being pushed while others might want just more of a casual conversation or just keep me in the loop. I'll worry about my work um, and so forth. So I, I've always found that the, the best manager, coaches, teachers, bosses. I mean, that's what they're able to do. It might take a little extra work to get to know them, even if it is on a personal level, because that might matter to them. Um, But I think in the long run, that's just going to add to that productivity. And I mean, respect, credibility, I mean, all that stuff, I think, comes together if you really understand who you're working with. And um, that's what I I would point to, even though I'm not managing anyone here at, at this current organization. That really helps. Thank you to all of you for those perspectives. All right. Well, obviously a good start as usual here at the quad. And an area I wanted to actually go into is, as I said, is a very similar here. Um, and it's the thought of optimism versus pessimism. And you know, most people, of course, fall somewhere in between. Maybe they're not extreme uh, one way or the other. But I had an interview recently that talked about, uh, you know, essentially she wrote a book called The Positive Power of negative thinking. So it's a little backwards in that way. And I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what are the pros and cons to each. Um, well, maybe you've experienced that, somebody who prefers sort of that pessimistic viewpoint or, or likes to be motivated in that way, sort of, you know, instead of you're going to do great, that, well, there are a lot of challenges and somehow that pushes them. So I'm just curious uh, if any of you had any experience with that or any thoughts based on the idea of optimism versus pessimism. It's funny, you know, in we've taken classes, training classes at MRA, and I'm, you know, afraid to share my secret, but I will. Um, one <laughs> of the things that I learned, it was kind of to that point, is that you don't want them to, you know, necessarily feel like they're doing a great job or, you, oh, don't worry, you've got it. One of the things that I was always taught is to tell my direct reports when you're proud of them or when they're doing something right is to say, you're on the right track. Mm. Keep it up. That lets them know they're not necessarily perfect and they don't need to like take a break from what they've been doing and feel like, okay, I've achieved what I need to achieve. I can take this moment to be a little bit complacent, but just to let them know you're on the right track, you're doing the right thing. Um, And for me, that's actually helped me communicate with them because I want them to know there's still room to, to improve, but they're going in the direction that I want them to go. So that's a tip that I would share with any manager. You will actually notice a difference versus telling them like, wow, I'm so proud of you. That was great. You notice that they're like, oh, okay. And (laughs) and not everyone's like that, but they'll tend to take a little bit of a complacent moment and you don't know how long those can last weeks. Well, I was interested in just the topic initially because to me, when I hear pessimism, it's a negative connotation. Right. You know, and I mentioned that before we even turned on the mics. <laughs> so um, I think you just have to be careful when you're working with someone in that, like in a team setting, that um, an overly pessimistic person doesn't bring down the rest of the optimism on the team to their level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's where I I struggle, you know, with optimism versus pessimism and what's good and what's not. Well, and like you said, there is a, 
negative connotation. I mean, anything, most things you read about with any experts stuff like that, it's all about optimism and confidence. And, and it talks about that a lot, which is, is great in general. Um, but as I was talking to some of you in here beforehand, when I spoke with this psychologist who wrote a book on it, she said, look, if somebody has that sort of more pessimistic viewpoint and you tell them you're doing a great job, that actually freaks them out. It puts more pressure on them. They want to hear that, you know, it's not going to be that easy. For some reason, it's just that psychological yeah. makeup that, you know, That's you got to figure out. Yeah. Well, anxiety for or stress for people either will motivate them or demotivate them. So I think it depends on their personality. Mm-hmm. I think, though, to Lynn's point, though, about having, you know, maybe negativity in the group or whatever, I actually would agree with you on that. If I If I'm in a group and we're in a team and someone says something negative – absolutely, I will follow up with that person right away after and say, I mean, you have to because you don't mm-hmm. want people to think, okay, that's commonplace. We can talk that way to each other. Right. We're in a professional you know, environment. You just can't talk to your colleagues that way. Yeah, it can be challenging. Yeah, you just have to make sure that the, the dynamics of the team aren't skewed in such a way that it impacts results. I think results, that's kind of what I was thinking about, Lynn, because uh, as a lot of you know, I'm in sales and we're always trying to be optimistic. We're always shooting <laughs> for the stars. We yeah. always want people to have that mindset. So in our department, you know, we definitely do not look at pessimism as something good. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, so that, you know, um, information you shared, Tim, is really interesting. I never thought about how that would impact. And I wonder if there's any individuals that you know, uh, our optimism is rubbing off on the wrong way. I'll definitely have to dig in deeper to that. And and again, I think most people fall somewhere between. It might depend on the circumstances, if they're seen as optimistic or pessimistic. Um, You know, and Lynn, you brought up, and Jacqueline, you too, as far as if somebody has that negative thing to say, it might bring down the room or it might be a concern. And sometimes I'm on the opposite. If somebody's like way over the top optimistic, I think it's like this false sense of security yeah. or they're trying to yeah. oversell it. And then I draw back and I wouldn't say I'm pessimistic, but that's sort of just kind of like, are, are we really that excited or optimistic about <laughs> it? I don't know. Maybe it's just my skeptical mind at work there. But anyway, no, I appreciate the different thoughts. On it. I think... Uh, Maybe something everyone can look out for now in their in their relationships at work or even in their personal life. Um, moving forward, then you know, I mentioned off the top, we are as we record at the end of the year, very close to it. And uh, Jacqueline, you had a topic that obviously does relate to this time period as well. Right. So here at uh, LJN Radio, we are doing our planning for 2014. We're moving on to the next year. And one of the things that we do in our organization at the local job network is we take a step back and we look at all the things that we've been focusing on throughout the year and figure out, do we want to work on these things in the following year? Let's prioritize them and let's improve the processes. Let's bring them up another level. So I just wanted to get your thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on what is it that you do to improve your particular department? We're all in different departments here in the quad. So what does your team particularly do to help plan for that next year to make it even more successful? I think I can speak first, Jacqueline. In sales, you know, there's a lot of different components because we're dealing with sales and servicing customers, also operational things when it comes to sales as well. So I kind of try to break it down in terms of, you know, what are the company goals? What are our team goals? What are the different market goals? And then, you know, we work one-on-one with individuals as well. So it kind of, 
you know, breaking it down all the way to the individual in my department. But one of the things I like to look at is what do we need to do from different perspectives, like advertising, training and development and all those different key areas and finding out what are we doing today? What's working well? What do we need to improve upon? And then kind of building the goals and planning from there. So you talk like one-on-one, which each person figure out what do they want to focus on and then kind of build from there? For individual direct reports and then, you know, other managers in the department are doing the same thing. But, you know, we're obviously very development focused here. So we really do, um, you know, plan it out with individuals in the beginning of the year. What do they want to accomplish? Where are they at in their career? What is the next step for them? Um, And then as a a team and as a department, we look at the whole market as a whole and what areas do we want to focus on for, you know, product development, enhancements, you know, growing, um, you know, different services for our current customers as well. So there's a lot of different perspectives there. I know from um, I came from a very large company and we did planning early. Um, So we were planning, we were on a calendar year basis, but we started planning for the next year in the summer. Wow. (laughs) The previous year. Yeah. So um, we, so that actually made our end of year manageable because we weren't trying to finish the year and, and plan for the next year. Um, But that was a big organization. So there were so many steps that we had to, to put that in place. Um, I know like one of the things I always like to do, though, in terms of planning was to solicit input from team members um, and and to be honest with them. It's like I want to hear all of your ideas. Um, some of these ideas, you know, we're not going to be able to implement. And some of these ideas, actually, we may not even agree with you on. <laughs> um, but. We were interested to hear your perspective, and sometimes there's there can be unique nuggets that people who are in the trenches of their own particular um, whatever they're responsible for, um, they just have a different perspective, and sometimes you know, and it's good for management to hear that perspective, um, even though you know you, you're not sure what will come out of it. But it's planning, it's brainstorming. And the interesting thing is I say that, but I can tell you 10, 10 years ago even, I was not good at brainstorming. <laughs> um, it was always something that I had to work on, and it's something that I challenge myself here uh, continually on, you know, how can you improve something? How can you do something different? Are we putting our eggs in the right basket? So I like that, Lynn. We do that in our department as well every year, and we get fantastic feedback. And just like you said, we can't implement all of it, but people like to have their voices heard and some really great ideas come out of it. Oh, so that's good. That's a great idea. Yeah, I'd agree with that in terms of, uh, Lynn, you mentioned not necessarily talking to people that are in your same department even, or as you use the term in the trenches, because, uh, you know, for myself looking at the radio side, it's hard, you know, the phrase being you can't see the forest through the trees because you're right there. You're not understanding what the peripheral impact might be or or it's just someone's outside the box thinking. Um, Even today in communications, we had a meeting and uh, there are some ideas out there like, you know, that seems obvious after you hear it, but at the time you're just like, 
oh, that's a that's brilliant. That's great. We have to <laughs> use that in some way. Now, again, as we've been talking about, you might not be able to implement every single thing, but maybe you jot that down and in six months, something opens up where you can use that or um, just getting those ideas down and, and maybe you see that opportunity. I think I think that's such a huge thing to be able to get those outside perspectives because you, you're never going to see it all. And I love your your phrase, Lynn, of being in the trenches. You just you can't see what's going on around you because you're so focused on, on on that point. So I would say that's that's a great tip for everyone listening. Yeah, and that is what we do in communications. My tip was just solicit feedback from your team members because I always tell them I'm not walking in your shoes every day. So it's really important for you to tell me what your thoughts, ideas, and perspectives are on how to improve your job. Mm-hmm. And let's bring it and elevate it to the next level. Um, and you're right. You get those brilliant ideas where you're like, wow, I never thought about that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I know, and they're fun. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. It then- can actually be exciting then for the whole team to get behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that that part of it. So hopefully uh, for everyone listening, you're able to maybe incorporate some of those ideas that people outside of your department even have come up with. I think that'd be pretty fun. Uh, we're wrapping up here a little bit. We do have one topic to get to yet. Uh, again, we're speaking about the end of the year and holidays. And uh, regarding that, Lynn actually had an interesting question to pose. Yeah. So with the holidays approaching, should people pause their job hunting until after the new year? And I have to admit that in the past, it was as a manager looking to hire people, I always had a hard time finding people over the holidays because people had stopped um, applying for positions. So I know as my as a manager, you're working towards your new budget year if you're on a calendar basis. And we always wanted to get our staff all lined up. So, hey, January 2nd, you know, we want to start uh, our new projects. We want our new staff. So we have to hire them in December. But it seems like things kind of, you know, people aren't interested in applying for jobs. But I had read this article and it was like, no, December and the holidays are the perfect time. Hmm to be applying for jobs. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. So I thought, hey, let's talk about it to here. And, um, you know, if people are wondering if they should take a break for from job hunting during the holidays, we can convince them otherwise. I actually always knew that December and January were great hiring months because I've been working here for so long and we used to always watch the statistics. So I personally knew that and I would always tell my friends, hey, if you're looking for a new job, apply in January, December and January because generally speaking, what happens is the the general population doesn't want to apply because of the holidays. They want that time off with their family. They want to start, the, the idea is they want to start the new year with a clean slate and they have their resolutions and whatnot. But I think what you're getting at, Lynn, is that you want to start that process in December so that in January yes. you can start that clean slate. And it is now the perfect time for job seekers to find a job because the applications are lower. So you're your resume and, and application will actually stand out because you have mm-hmm. less competition. So um, I wasn't surprised. I already knew it, but that's a tip that I would say. Another tip I also have is when you apply, apply on a Monday. Oh. Because um, Monday or Tuesday, because most people submit their applications on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So then your application is mixed in with everyone else's. But if you apply on a Monday or Tuesday, you're, there's less applications. Good so tip. your application will stand out. I like that as well. I definitely know in this business, um, as Jacqueline mentioned, being here for a long time, that 
December and January are great months. A lot of our employers are opening new budgets for the new year. They have planned new hires. They want to get a head start on it, but sometimes they don't have the dollars to start now, but they still want to proactively get those people. So, you know, setting yourself apart from the competition as far as job seekers by contacting those companies that you're interested in, letting them know that you're going to be looking so they can kind of get in those communications early. I also thought a lot of the... uh, information in this article was really interesting because the holidays, a lot of people are are kind of at a standstill. Things are slower on the company side, so you can actually get time with some of the people that otherwise might be really busy. So if you wanted to get in touch with a recruiter at a company or another professional, or you do some networking in the community, those are perfect times to do it. So I thought there was a lot of great valid points and people should definitely not hold off. I mean, I, I, I even appreciate hearing all this because I'll be honest, even before I was working here and even having been here for the brief time I have, I wouldn't necessarily have thought one way or the other. And I would think I would probably lean the way of a lot of people thinking, well, they're not going to be hiring now. They're wrapping up their year, maybe come January, then they'll start looking. But you have to keep in mind, it's a process. So if you apply in January, well, they're really not going to hire you till, you know, right. further down the road. So if they want new people to start that new year, January, February, you need to get in at that time. And um, I love all the points that you guys have made that, you know, there are going to be fewer people applying. So you have less competition. There may be more time for hiring personnel to look at those resumes, those applications. Um, so, and that's the beauty of the quad here is these, these practical advice that actually will help people. Yes, we're trying to have some fun here, yes. but but that's, I mean, those are stuff, I mean, I learn just as much when I'm recording a show or, or hosting with, with all you ladies. Um, I learn just as much. So hopefully all of our listeners can take away some of these points as well. I just wanted to add, I think there is uh, the misconception too, if I like... Uh, interview for a job early in December, I may have to like, get, I may get hired and then I'm going to have to work over the holidays. Right. Uh. <laughs> but I know um, at my last two employers now, we actually um, stop hiring early in the month mm-hmm. just because people are out and there's overhead. And obviously you need to be trained by experienced people who may be on <laughs> vacation over the holidays. Right. Um, but we still hire, but the start date then is in January, and it usually works out for all parties involved. And I think that's more that's very uh, applicable to many organizations. They usually have a hiring week, and if even if it's not in you know December, I mean each month there's usually okay. This is when we're gonna. I'm not. I'm sorry, not a hiring week, but a training week. So oh. uh, that you know they might say we do training the first week of each month. Mm-hmm. So if you miss it, well, you're still gonna have that time before the next month. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. All right. Well, as usual, we've had some great discussions in here, both practical and uh, maybe a little psychological here on the quad. We hope it will, of course, help all of our listeners in some capacity. Unfortunately, we'll have to wrap things up for this episode. If you would, though, like to suggest some topics for discussion here on the LJN Radio Quad, just send us a message to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Of course, we'd love to hear what you're interested in learning about here on the quad. For Lynn Molitor, Jacqueline Peterson, and Jamie Goble, I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.